Welcome to the weekly Dharma Talk podcast from the Columbus Karma Teksam Choling Buddhist Meditation Center. This week, Lama Kathy Wesley gives a talk entitled, How Do We Disagree? It's so easy to label and dismiss others when we disagree over matters of politics and even Buddhist teachings. In this episode, Lama Kathy and the KTC Dharma community discuss the inner costs of passing judgment on others and how thinking about them differently could help us find a middle path away from extreme reactions. If you like our Dharma Talk series, please consider donating to Columbus Karma Texam Choling at columbusktc.org. Enjoy the podcast. So, everybody, thank you for being here. I am so happy to see everyone uh, here today, and I want to thank you for bringing yourself here uh, and coming and sitting and meditating with us today. Um, I, uh, I, I know that the topic of today's talk was, um, was not given on the, uh, on the program for today, and uh, that was because I kind of wanted to take a few a few minutes to think it over. And those of you who saw uh, the column that I wrote this week for the newsletter um, will probably know what I'm going to talk about today, and that is, uh, how do we disagree? <laughs> this, is the, um, this is the topic for today. How do we disagree? Um, the reason I wanted to say this is because um, uh, it's it's come to my attention that uh, even in a Dharma center, there are people who don't agree with each other. And uh, that when they don't agree, they can uh, take action on that disagreement in lots of ways. Maybe they write notes to somebody, or maybe they make a phone call to somebody, or maybe, thank you, they post something on somebody's page, letting them know that they don't like them or don't agree with them. And, um, and so since this has come to my attention, that this has happened within our own sangha, that people have disagreed with one another and that it hasn't um, manifested in a positive manner. I, I want to, um, so I, that's why I wanted to write the article that I wrote this week saying that, um, we, when we try to criticize somebody else, we have to do it with, it has to meet a couple of different, um, what do you call it, measures. When we, when we speak to someone, we have to speak for their benefit. We have to speak kindly. We have to speak truthfully, and so on. Uh, and so we also have to speak to the benefit of others, not to their detriment, and so on and so on. And so, um, and so I started thinking about that, and I said, well, maybe... What's happened is that the atmosphere around us has been, uh, shall we say, kind of charged. I don't know if you've noticed. But uh, our social and political climate has become a little bit charged. And, uh, and I, part of me thinks that this is a bad thing because it, bring, it seems to be bringing out the worst in everyone. I mean, I'd like to think that being able to say honestly how I feel about something will always be a plus, 
But if I say how I honestly feel about something and the person who's listening is not keyed to listening to me because of a judgment they've already made about me, then it's going to be very difficult for that person to hear me. So me sharing may or may not work. And so we're, we're kind of stuck as being human beings in a very difficult situation. We all want to get along and we all want to help one another. Thank you. Uh, we all want to get along and we all want to help one another and we all want to do what's right. But how do we do that? And how do we work with people we don't agree with? And so that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Uh, and, uh, and so because I don't want it just to be me going yak, yak, yak. Because, I mean, I could just yak. And, I mean, what's the point, right? Because I'm just one little old lady. Let's, let's find out what you guys want to know. Can, can people tell me what they would like to hear today? Kind of where they're coming from in their own lives and what they'd like to hear today? We, oh, we got, we got one. Okay. Here he comes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I, I've struggled with this. I, I was excited to see your uh, blog, the topic of your blog uh, this yeah. week. And I guess the, you know, the thing I run into sometimes is when I feel very sure that a certain, um, you know, mindset that's being perpetuated is, is not only one that I disagree with, but one that is dangerous uh -huh. for um, people. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and knowing a little bit of history and how things can go mm -hmm. terribly awry mm -hmm. if things are not called what they need to be called. Yeah, I at get the it. Outset, mm -hmm. I, I feel a little mm -hmm. I feel a little uh, constrained by the measures that you cite. Mm -hmm. I, I sometimes feel like a certain mm -hmm. amount of adamant. Uh, not sure mm -hmm. the word I need here, but I want mm -hmm. to be adamant mm -hmm. in my rebuking of things, mm -hmm. uh, political movements that I feel are leading us to a place of, um, mm -hmm. of real danger mm -hmm. uh, for, you know, certain groups of people, mm -hmm. uh, for us as a country at large. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to be a good Buddhist, right. but I also want to act on what seems to me wisdom right. when I can discern right. in these movements something very wrong and dangerous. Mm -hmm. Boy, I really appreciate you sharing that because I do think that's the crux of being, uh, of being in this moment, isn't it? We want to do what's right. We want to see justice done. But at the same time, we don't want to lose, uh, to use a Christian term, we don't want to lose our soul. We don't want to lose what's best in us. But at the same time, we're in a very unusual moment where I agree that if hatred, for example, and and movements that preach and teach hatred of others, if those are allowed to blossom, then what will be the impact? If, if, there is, if we don't say something in opposition to hatred, what do we do? What, and who are we? Right. I really appreciate you, you sharing that. We'll, we'll definitely get to that one. Anybody else have something they would like to hear today? I've got room for one or two more. Here comes another one. Okay, good. We've got room for one more. And you've got another one. Would you care to put it on the record? I'm sorry to make you use the microphone, but uh, we've got some folks who listen to these at home. 
and um, you'll and you'll be of help to them. Uh, you can look at it as an act of generosity on your part. Good morning, Lama Kathy. Good morning. Um, okay, I'm reluctant to ask this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Sure. I must be a terrible Buddhist because I've been feeling very militant lately. And um, sure, I'm talking about a political situation in Venezuela. Okay. I'm married mm-hmm. to a Venezuelan woman. Mm-hmm. So for over mm-hmm. the last decade, I've heard a lot about the suffering of the people there. Yeah. You know, due to food shortages, lack of medicine, mm-hmm. civil rights abuses. Sure. It goes further. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know. You know, people are following the news. You know, there's some talk about American military intervention. Mm-hmm. And I found myself supporting it. And then I'm like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. people could lose their lives over this. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm supporting that, mm. that's on me in some in some respect. Mm-hmm. Got it. So I'm a little torn. I hear about, it. You know, I feel my intention is good. I don't want uh-huh. it to be killed. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, should I as a Buddhist just sit back and say, okay. I get Love it. is always the solution. Yeah. And just pray. And, right. But then it seems like the situation won't change because the existing administration doesn't want to go. I hear that. What What do you say about that? No, I, I really appreciate that thought, too. I'm, I've, got, I've got it on the list. So but we'll talk about that today as well. Okay. Yeah. Did you have anything more you wanted to add to that? Mm, no. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And, and then this will be the last um, input for the for the talk that we'll have uh the practice that i've been uh uh employing for myself is uh, focusing on uh, climate change mm-hmm. and the exponential increase of that in my prediction of uh the next mm-hmm. 10 years it's going to be mm-hmm. so dramatic mm-hmm. that the kinds of things that, that we're talking about now politically and socially are going to be sort of irrelevant. Mm-hmm. So I'm using, I'm using climate change to just sort of chill I understand. out about all the rest of this stuff. Using it to chill out, did you say? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I, I like your attitude. Okay, yeah. No, okay. I don't know. I, 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 I understand. It, it, what what helpful, you're saying is perspective. It's helpful for me. I'm not sure that it's an honest technique, but I'm yeah. using it. Here, here's what I'm. Here's what I'm going to say to that. Uh, I I think that th- this these three things are plenty to talk about today. This is awesome, and what I really appreciate is um, what you've brought in. In the I, you didn't use this word, but the what's inherent in your conversation is the word perspective, isn't it? It's like the perspective of climate change as the atmosphere in which all of these other things are happening. So I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, you know, nothing like coming to a Buddhist center to get away from the um uh, all of the noise of politics and society and uh and strife and find that the um that the resident teacher has just put it back front and center on the on the table this morning. I do sort of apologize for this in advance. Part of the reason I wanted to do this was because I wanted to talk how hard it is if we can get real a minute, you know, just to talk about how hard it is to be human and how hard it is to uh, face and see all of the difficulty that surrounds us. I, I really feel for the speaker who spoke about his wife uh, being from Venezuela, which is really in terrible turmoil, and people are, I'm sure, dying there now. And I just think it's um, it's really, really uh, a tragedy to see what human beings are capable of. We're capable of many good things. We're capable, human beings are capable of so many good things. 
but they're also capable of so much cruelty. And interestingly enough, even though we think in terms of the planet with climate change or societies uh, in Venezuela and elsewhere where there's uh, unrest because of government um, uh, cruelty and ineptitude, and then in our own political discourse where, um, where we're finally uh, beginning to grapple with issues that have been around for 400 years, and now we have to finally grapple with them. Um, uh, so all of these things are, uh, so again, I want to apologize. I will go back to peace and light next time I come and speak. I promise you. Uh, but I, the reason I want to talk about these difficult things today is that um, these difficult things are reflective. They are actually a reflection of the difficulty that we experience as human beings within ourselves. Um, it, uh, it came to my attention that, um, that uh, someone that I know has been very judgmental against someone else. And this made me feel sad for them. I felt sad for the person who was judged, and I felt sad for the person who did the judging. Why? Because they both suffer. The person who is judged feels uh, that they have been unfairly put down and made and belittled. And the person who did the putting down and the belittling actually also suffers from having been put down and belittled because otherwise they wouldn't do it to others. And so sometimes when we feel justice is not done in our own life, we get mad and we want to see justice done. When we see injustice being done to us, we want to see it changed. And I think whether it's a, a whole society as is happening when the people in Venezuela are rising up because they can't, they can't deal with the situation any longer. And the people who live in uh, America are very distressed by the hatred that they see uh, being uh, openly practiced by people in public life, uh, unashamedly openly practiced by people in public life. It's like, uh, how can we, it's really in a way, it's a reflection of our own difficulty dealing with the parts of us we can't accept. Because uh, believe it or not, we are born, uh, the, the teaching of the Buddha is that we are born with Buddha nature as our basic nature. We all have the, a mind that has the capacity to wake up. The Buddha taught that men and women have an equal capacity to wake up. But that's not reflected in society. That's not even reflected in Buddhist society. I'll never forget talking to Kempo Carter Rinpoche the first time I met him 40 years ago. One of the first things I said to him is, what is this I hear about how Buddhist nuns are treated in parts of the world? They're not treated fairly. What's going on with that? And he said to me, well, the Buddha taught the equality of men and women and that they had the equal capacity for spiritual development. He said, anything you see that is not that is culture, not religion. And that really helped me to see that Kemper Rinpoche, even though he came from a culture that put women down in many ways, he was ready to have his eyes opened about it in, a different, in this different world of America. That really made me happy. I knew that I had a person I could work with. 
because he's in the society and yet he knows that it's not all, uh, what is it, sweetness, light, and rainbows, yeah? And so that's where we're starting from, the equality of all people and that they all have Buddha nature. But they also have confusion. They don't know they have Buddha nature. And because they don't know they have Buddha nature, they form an erroneous idea about self and other. They think, well, I am different from that person or I am different from that person. And then they form one of three emotional responses to that other. They either like it or uh, feel attached to it. They dislike it or feel aversion to it or they feel indifferent. Attachment, aversion, and bewilderment. Those are called the three mental poisons in Buddhism. It all starts from that first mistake of seeing us uh, ourselves as being unequal and us perhaps being better than another person. And this is where the danger lies for Buddhists who are activists. The danger lies in, the, in how we cope with the dual nature of our mind our awakened nature and our ignorance of our awakened nature. When we are ignorant of our awakened nature, we, we spend all of our time in the outside world trying to bend it to our will, trying to make other people and other things do what we want them to do and be who we want them to be. And what we find that we don't like the most are people who are just like us, people who have our same faults that we can't bear to look at. I'm not saying this from a superior position. I'm one of them. Uh, a number of years ago, a great lama came and visited us when we were in three-year retreat. In my three-year retreat, there was a lot of quarreling. People didn't like one another because they didn't know each other before. And so they got together and then they had a lot of disagreements, surprise, you know. And then uh, they would like write nasty letters to each other, saying bad things about each other, thinking somehow that was going to help. If you call something by its name, maybe that makes you feel like you can uh, control it. But people were doing this all the time. And finally, when one of the great lamas came to see us, he said, look, if you have a problem with somebody's behavior, it's because there's a part of you that is like that. And you can't stand it and you want to obliterate it in yourself. And you can't, so you try to obliterate it in somebody else. We were, we, it was all, we, we were all crying by the end of this, uh, this talk that he gave us because we saw ourselves in the judgments that we were perpetrating on each other. So this is the hard part about being a Buddhist. I just wish it were all sweetness, light, and rainbows. But the hard part is that we have to realize that that which we reject is actually part of us. There's, they have Buddha nature just like us. It's just that they're, they're taking the, the richness of their Buddha nature and squandering it because they don't know they have it. Um, Kempo Karta Rinpoche was asked a few months ago, well, like, how do we as Buddhists deal with all the hatred in this, in this society? All these people openly expressing their hate for people who don't share their, uh, their gender or their race or their belief systems, or their sexuality. How do, we, how do we deal and cope with all of these people expressing so much hatred? It, basically, the, the subtext of the question was, can these people who are haters, can they be saved? That's kind of the, you know, that was sort of the uh, subtext of the question. How do we help them? 
they're not Buddhist. We can't make them Buddhist. We can't make them see the, their Buddha nature and the Buddha nature of all beings. They're, they're people in society. They're, they're worldly people. How can we help these worldly people who, who don't see that what they're doing is wrong? How do we help them? And Kemp Rinpoche said, well, he said, for the ones that are really, who really have coarse personalities, he uses the term coarse personality <clears throat> to denote a person who is so, so stubborn in their belief that they won't accept or hear anything. He said, if you meet a person with a coarse personality, he said, all you could possibly do is show them a, a picture of the Buddha. Just show them a picture of the Buddha, and that will have to be enough. And so a friend of mine, when she was going to the first women's march, she decided to put a picture of the Buddha on a placard and carry this picture of the Buddha throughout the demonstration. And another one of my friends put the words of the four immeasurable meditations. May all beings be have happiness and the causes of happiness. May they be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. May they have that great uh, happiness, which is freedom from suffering. May they come to dwell in great equanimity, free of attachment and aversion. So that was her. That was her statement. That was her political statement. Because she knew that she couldn't change those people, but she could show them a glimmer of something that was true and real. That was how she could be a Buddhist activist and not lose her soul. Now, there, uh, there's the situation of real danger, what can we do? You know, when there's real danger, you have to do what you have to do. And, um, and I think that when some people are being harmed, if other people want to go to their defense, that's going to happen. Somebody will do it. Uh, we may not be in a position to do it. And I don't know what to say about whether this country needs to intervene and how. I, I can't even begin to know that. But there will be times when that's necessary. That's why we have military, isn't it? You know, I wish that we could do something to help the people of Venezuela. Our, our government is so, you know, sort of tied in knots right now. Our government is so tight and nuts. I don't know that they'll be able to help anybody. They may not even be able to help themselves. It's really hard to know. Um, but yes, um, there will be times when that becomes necessary. But I will say one thing. Um, I'm sorry we have feedback on the line. I don't know how to. Is there any way we can fix that? No. Let's see if there, it could just be um, um, like cell phone interruptions or no, is is it, it's like a feedback on the mic or what? Ah, it's a connector. We're sorry to wake you up there. Yeah, how would it be if, if everything, that, everything that bothered us woke us up? Everything that bothered us woke us up to our own prejudice. Wouldn't that be something? If everything that bothered us woke us up to our own judgment and projection? I'm thinking, you just did us a favor. Thank you, sir. <laughs> um, when, um, when Tibet was uh, under siege, someone went to Tronga Rinpoche and said, um, you're the head of this monastery. You need to become a soldier. You need to go and kill the, the communists who are killing our people. And Tronga Rinpoche said that for a moment he really did think about giving up being a monk because monks can't kill. He thought about giving it up. And then he said that it was his decision not to give up being a monk to kill other people. He just couldn't do it. 
So I think what's going to happen is that different people will make that decision in different ways. So I think that for a person to, um, to take on the karma of killing someone and to accept it out of the wish to protect others from harm, th this is a very complex karmic question that would probably have to be put to a, a high lama and not me. You know, I don't think I could decide that. But Kemper Rinpoche, when asked about personal, uh, personal protection, someone said, if you're a Buddhist and you're nonviolent and somebody attacks you, what are you supposed to do? And he said, well, he said, it depends on where you are in your spiritual life. He said, my advice to anyone would be run away. Run away if you can run away. And then if you can't run away, disable the person who's attacking you. But don't, don't cause lethal harm unless you absolutely have to. And then you have to accept the karma of that. And so he basically said, do everything else first. Do everything else first. This does not address the, the situation in Venezuela, but it does help us to see a couple of different ways to work on it within ourselves. So I, I, want, to, I want there to be plenty of time for, um, for discussion. The, the three points are, when we see something that is wrong, that is dangerous for the people, that was the first, what do we do? Second is, how do we know when it's time to take militant action in the face of injustice? And another is, how do, you know, uh, how do we see all of these things as being um, dwarfed in size by the, 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 the death of the planet, the slow, maybe rapid death of the planet? I think that um, this reminds me of a Buddhist teaching about our own human life and human body. You know it's short. Has anybody told you that yet? Anybody told you your life is short? It's, it's really relatively short. We might have 100 years if we're lucky. And if we're not, it might end sooner. So we have to kind of act as though we're in a situation of, um, of need and desperation. And that our spiritual welfare is kind of important. And so that's what's taught in Buddhism is that you have a life, but it's very short. And your, your life is very precious, but it's very short. And have we told you your life is very short? I mean, it just, they, they remind you all the time. And so whether this planet continues or not, our life is short. Whether the planet's life is going to be short or not, our life is short. So what we have to do is take hold of that which is important. I spoke to a person today who had a a bit of a, of a scare, and it made them realize how much of their life they were wasting and that they were um, circling back to their spiritual practice as a way of making a good use of their life. So I think that um, this all-over idea of climate change and so forth, we can do our best with it and do our best to try to encourage, but then we also have to consider the climate that is our own life and mind and that we have to do our best not to poison our own life and mind with hatred. We have to do whatever we can do without hatred. And there's a difference between firmness and hatred. You have to see the difference. Firmness is being firm about something, not moving in your, uh, in your determination to see justice done, not moving but also not being thrown off 
by your own anger. You have, there's a difference between this firmness and anger. Trungpa Rinpoche, the same uh, monk who had to give up the idea of being a general in the Tibetan uprising because he knew he couldn't kill. Um, he, he said, we make a mistake about anger. We think that it makes us superior to others. We think that our vision of justice is the vision of justice. And uh, this makes us feel and act superior to other people. And when we feel and act superior to other people, we're actually doing an injustice to ourselves and to them. And he said, so we make this mistake. We think that we need the fuel and the energy of anger to help us correct an injustice when the opposite is true. Uh, anger makes us make mistakes. So he helped me to draw the distinction between firmness and anger. We can be firm on a topic without being angry. And the way to not be angry is to see how the other person suffers. The people who we call enemies, the people we label as enemies, as being different from us, they're, they're suffering. They're suffering intensely or they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. It's almost as though we could see them as being squeezed by forces in their minds that are so powerful that they can't, they can't rest until they see harm done to others. You see what I'm saying? It's almost like they're being squeezed by their mental afflictions, their own hatred. They're being squeezed so hard by it that they can't stand it and they lash out. And if we can be patient with that, meaning not that we let them hurt other people, that's, not, that's the difference between firmness and anger. We can prevent people from hurting others, but we have to do our best to not hate them in return because that way the hatred gets stronger. See, we're trying to fight hatred. We're trying to resist hatred. We're trying to resist self-superiority. We're trying to resist arrogance. So if you could look at Buddhism as a form of resistance to the societal norm of hatred, the societal norm of anger, the societal norm of arrogance. If you could see it as that, what an interesting movement this would become. <laughs> so um, I'm sorry that I haven't solved anything for you. I didn't solve anything. Um, and uh, I think that all we can do is continue to solve it within ourselves first. I think we have to solve our own hatred inside ourselves first. Because sometimes the hatred we feel is for ourselves. I see this a lot uh, in people who are committed to causes. They lose themselves in the cause and they, they don't pay attention to their own healing that needs to happen from their own, the injustices that were perpetrated on them. And so if we can heal from our own trauma and injustice that's been done to us, if we can take hold of the methods that we have in Dharma, the meditation, the compassion, and everything, if we can take hold of those methods and use them on ourselves, then we will be in a good place to be firm and not angry in public life. And if we can be firm and not angry in public life, then the truth that comes out of our mouths will be a truth that many people will nod their heads about. And this is, I think, 
even if they can't also do the right thing, they can at least prevent themselves from putting themselves into a sort of uh, type of spiritual anarchy, a spiritual chaos, a spiritual uh, difficulty. And, uh, and beyond that, I, I do think that the situation is getting kind of scary in the U.S. It's a little scary. Mm. We, we kind of hoped the Constitution would protect us, but I guess now we have to protect it. So we have to figure out what that means. Uh, it's, um, I'm, I'm sure that it is, um, it's actually a really interesting time. Before I close and, and open to discussion, I want to talk about a, a place I went on Friday. On Friday, I went to um, a conference at Denison University. And the name of the conference was um, uh, of Mara and Mammon. You know, the world, Mammon is like this um, uh, biblical word for uh, sort of the, the bad parts of worldly life. The, the tempting parts of worldly life that tempt us into harming ourselves or harming others. And Mara is also like uh, the force of difficulty and harm. And, um, and it was about uh, the, how religion can uh, work in the political arena and how uh, different types of resistance can arise. And it was very eye-opening to listen to uh, people speak from all kinds of different perspectives. Um, uh, one, uh, one woman uh, spoke about uh, change that has happened in Thailand, where there's a lot of difficulty for women there, and how women have taken to going on retreats together to help to improve the lot and the, the condition of women in Thailand. And, um, and then uh, another uh, woman spoke about 400 years of the African diaspora and how we all need to start talking to one another about race in this country. And then another person talked about, from a, a Christian point of view, about uh, liberation theology and how the teachings of Jesus help us to understand how to lift others up. And it was a really amazing time because a lot of students were there and they were talking about their feelings, about seeing the world this way, the way it's become, and how can we change it. And one of the greatest moments in the audience was when a young man came to the microphone and said, I don't know how to be an ally. I just know how to sort of, uh, to sort of survive what's going on. I don't know how to do the right thing and I wanna know how to do the right thing. And uh, a couple of women in the panel and men in the panel basically said, just keep examining your own mind, examining your own course of experience. Just keep looking at your own course of experience and don't think you have to have a, a response or an answer to what's going on. Just be open and listen to the people who are hurting. Listen to the people who are hurting and find out what is within you to at least listen without judgment. And that was a powerful moment. It felt to me like that this could be a way through for this young man and for all of us as we're trying to heal ourselves from our own feelings. So uh, I do apologize for not solving anything, 
but I did want to talk about these things since I started talking about them in the column that I wrote this week for the newsletter. Um, if you'd like to see it, you can go to our webpage, www.columbusktc.org, and look for um, the Lama Kathy's Dharma blog, uh, the blossoming, blossoming um, above the mud of the modern world. Because the bodhisattva is, uh, is compared to a lotus flower. A lotus flower is rooted in the mud of a small pond, and it's really kind of filthy and dirty at the root. But where it blooms above the water, it's so lovely and stainless looking. How can we be that? How can we be in this world but not harmed by this world? And the methodology is love. The bodhisattva's methodology is love. First, we practice love for those parts of ourselves that are unhealed. We become aware of and find healing for those parts of us that are unloved and unhealed. And then we begin to expand that and see how other people suffer just like us. And if we can open to that and not judge and just be open to that and be uh, good listeners and to be open to that, maybe we can see ways to help and at least not harm. Uh, so anyway, um, this is the first of several um, efforts that I'm going to make um, because I heard that there were some disagreements among people in the Sangha. And uh, I, I talked to a really good friend of mine who's a Christian minister. And his advice was to just teach about the pain of being a human being in this world and how we have to be open to everybody's pain, both the people who criticize others and the people who are being criticized and find ways to heal both people. Uh, so I thought that was a kind of wise way to start. And you'll see uh, slowly over time in the coming weeks and months, we're going to uh, do some training with people on how to disagree. How to disagree and not get let our anger get the better of us among our own Dharma community and how not to lash out in anger against one another. Because if we can do that, this is amazing. This, this, this group is already amazing. People come here and they say, wow, you guys are different. It's like, yeah, we're a little bit disorganized, but it's a, it's a feature. It's not a bug. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, we're we you know we're kind of loose about the, kind of the way we do things, but it's a feature, not a bug. And uh, and we want to be here for all of you. And so, uh, but I think it's gonna. It's we're getting close to the time when we need to talk about how to be with one another and how not to hurt one another. And uh, I'm so excited uh, because I've been learning a lot uh, from my friends in the nonviolent communication movement who say that the best way to disagree with someone is to first listen and feel where they are and listen and feel their pain and listen and feel their need and not judge it. And then to be able to put forward whatever is the best of ourselves. The nonviolent communication movement uh, is very old. It's been around for decades, but it has a lot to offer us. 
And so I'm going to start talking about little aspects of it from time to time. You're not going to get a whole bunch of it. Next time I'm going to talk about um, more about the uh, the symbol, symbolism of Buddhist art and things like that. I'll give you a breather and uh, and talk about your Buddha nature over and over and over again because you got it. You have Buddha nature. If somebody hasn't told you today, you have it. And when it's blossomed, when it's fully blossomed, it's going to amaze you. That's what. That's how Kemper Bache introduced the topic to us. He said, within each one of you, he said, there's a spark of goodness. It, you can't hide it. It's there. And everybody has it. No one lacks it. Everybody has it. You have within you a spark of goodness that, when it is nurtured, it will uh, come to a fruition in a way that will amaze you. You'll be, he said, the translator used the word astounded and amazed. So uh, we'll stop here and then have some discussion. Uh, and I do, uh, I do apologize for not being able to address the, the question about militant um, uh, uprisings and climate change, but there's a lot to talk about. So discussion, we have a microphone. If, if anybody wants to make a comment, make a comment, talk about their own thing or have a question, uh, if you could use the microphone, that'd be super helpful. If not, we'll meditate. Yeah, hi there. This is one of the most powerful spiritual conversations I've heard in years. You know, you watch CNN and Fox News and you see yeah. perspectives and hate and, and how divisive it is to us as individuals. Uh, you know, everybody I talk to, it's just holy pulling and pulling. I know. Your message today is powerful. Please continue it. Yeah. I'm an old man with a few years. Had a grandfather that went through the Depression. Mm-hmm. Went through the 60s and the race riots. And, mm-hmm. and, and had seen this and survived it. Mm-hmm. But now troubles me more than probably any point in my life. I understand. Because now it's not me anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't have that many years. Mm-hmm. I've got kids and I've got grandkids. Mm-hmm. And I hope there's a way that this message can get out mm-hmm. and get the people to mm-hmm. stop. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. that because I think it's true. Um, I, I do think it's true. Um, many of our uh, great-grandparents and our grandparents and so forth lived through very difficult times. And there have just been so many terrible things that have happened. And I almost feel, it, it started to occur to me today that maybe having all of this hatred out in the open, it's not good, but it's also in some ways uh, not bad because now it's no longer hidden. We no longer have to pretend it's not there. Because, see, for many, many years, people hid this kind of hatred, and they hid their prejudice. They thought they were good people and they were unprejudiced, but stuff would pop out of their mouths. And, uh, and in a way, it's almost like, okay, here it is. So now, what are we going to do to fix this? So that our children don't have to suffer the way that our great-grandparents did. You see, because they did. They suffered on both sides of these things. 
people who were the haters and the hated, they both suffer. And I think that the great, the great um, speakers and leaders of those times, um, if we look at Gandhi, if we look at Thich Nhat Hanh, if we look at uh, Martin Luther King, they all shared the nonviolent philosophy, and they all shared the idea that both sides are ha- uh, the, both the hated and the haters suffer. The oppressors and the oppressed suffer. And if we can see the, I don't want to use the word, um, the interdependence. If we see, that's a Buddhist word, the interdependence of these two, that as both heal gradually, then the situation heals. So it's almost like we're having like a, a uh, a disruption or an eruption of an illness that now we can see and maybe we can treat. That's my hope. Crossed fingers and hope. So thank you. Other people who have comments or um, things they'd like to talk about? Yeah, please. Yeah, we have time for one or two more. So um, I've come to realize through my practice that I tend to vacillate between two extremes when I'm triggered, especially okay. with like ideas that I'm really attached to, like mm-hmm, you were saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it tends to be either reacting in a way that's, you know, sort of childish and doesn't serve me anymore. Mm, mm -hmm. Or especially when I'm faced with someone who's very uh, intimidating, I tend to acquiesce. And I don't Mm, seem to mm -hmm. have this neutral Mm. space. So (coughs) through my practice, I've tried, I've been practicing not practicing either one of those. Mm -hmm. I've been doing a lot of Tonglen and um, a lot of the things that you and I have discussed. And I find myself in this place that feels like, I don't know if it's groundlessness. Um, mm. And as I'm practicing, it feels like, because I'm not doing either one of those things, either one of those extremes, I feel like I'm doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I guess my question is, in relation to this topic, when, you know, when we're not going to those extremes, or for me personally, when I'm not going to those extremes, mm-hmm. and I have to sit with that feeling of groundlessness that feels like doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how, how are we practicing that self-care and also mm-hmm. sticking to I, I, self-care in the, in the respect of like feeding myself, but also not allowing the negativity or the things that are going on, not being complicit, I guess. Yeah. No, I, I boy, I really appreciate that. That was very clearly stated. I appreciate that. Um, I, um, I really feel for that situation. I got to tell you, you know, because, um, when, uh, when we're trying to, when we're trying to change an old habit, it's like, it's not easy to change an old habit, especially if it's an old habit of reaction. And I can truly appreciate feeling like being in the middle of two extremes can feel like you're going nowhere. But at least you're not going to extremes. This, this is, there is one benefit to that. The extremes in your description, in your, um, in your description of this, is the two extremes would be acquiescing and the other would be uh, uh, sort of erupting, <laughs> which is going to, I mean, that's a different word than you use, but that's kind of the feeling, right? You just kind of erupt with a reaction or acquiesce to the situation. And uh, feeling uh, that you're in the middle and that you're groundless, um, I'm going to make a comment about groundlessness. Um, it, it's, there's actually a Buddhist concept of groundlessness, 
which is where you are when you are no longer clinging to yourself as being superior to others. This sort of groundlessness of, of knowing that you are just like others and that you can't be special anymore or, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, at first it's a bad feeling like, oh no, oh no, there's nothing to hold on to. But then you're like, wait a minute, there's nothing to protect. Okay, now I have something, some place to go. So you're actually, you're not nowhere, you're somewhere. You actually are somewhere when you're between those two extremes. And the Buddha called it the middle way. The Buddha called it the middle way. So you are somewhere. You're practicing balance. Think of it that way. You're practicing. It's not that you're nowhere doing nothing. You're practicing balance and stability. Does that make sense? Does that feel better? That you're practicing balance and stability. And, uh, and then I'm going to give you another thing you can add to the mix. In, um, in the Buddhist teaching uh, on um, love and compassion, the Buddha taught that love and compassion were two powerful forces that we could use to combat our selfishness. And this is why all of those things that, that I wrote about this week where I said, if you're going to criticize somebody, do it gently, do it to their benefit, do it truthfully, and so forth. All of those are middle path things. Those are all middle path things, gent gentleness and so forth and so on. And so when you're practicing that balance, you're practicing gentleness, not going to the two extremes. You're practicing gentleness and balance. And so if you add to that the feeling of love and compassion, like by my practicing gentleness and balance, may all beings and myself be free from the extremes. May we be comfortable in this groundless place. May we get comfy in this groundless place. It's kind of like the old story about floating versus drowning, you know? Um, and uh, when you are fighting in the water, um, then you sink. But if you realize that your body has natural buoyancy and you allow your body to float, you rise above. Does that make sense? So, so the idea is if we, can, uh, if we can just be comfortable with the rising above and let the natural course of things happen, we'll rise above it because we're no longer emoting or erupting and we're no longer acquiescing. We're in the middle. And we're trying to practice love for ourselves and for the other people in our, in our vicinity. Does that make sense? I don't know if that's clear. I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't know, maybe I'm not quite giving the right, does anybody have something they'd like to add to that? But you are, but you're, 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 you're not nowhere. Actually, you are sort of nowhere because you, you haven't gone to the either extreme, but you're actually somewhere, and this, that somewhere is a, a place of balance and practicing balance and practicing stability and practicing love for yourself by not running to extremes. Practicing compassion for yourself by not running, you see? Because a lot of what happens is when we feel something, we run away. And when that thing we feel is difficult, we run away to one of the two extremes. We either erupt about it or we acquiesce or pretend it's not there. And so the practice you talked about, Tonglen, sending and receiving, is, um, is a Buddhist practice on, that you do on your meditation seat, where as you breathe out, you give goodness to yourself and others. And as you breathe in, you remove the suffering from yourself and others so that we become sort of um, a dynamo of love and compassion.
you know, giving out goodness and receiving and removing suffering. And by doing this practice of love and compassion, we're practicing it in some ways first for ourselves so that we can be more comfortable in this middle path. And we feel that we're actually accomplishing love and compassion. So don't feel you're doing nothing. You're doing something. And that something is love and compassion. Does that... I mean, it may feel like nothing, but maybe after a while you'll... Some, uh, some ideas about how to be that for other people will arise for you. You'll see their suffering. Because that's the thing. If you can go to the place of the other person's pain, sometimes that really helps me. If somebody's coming at me with something negative... I just try to think, wow, how it must feel to be them and how it must hurt. Anyway, so I don't know if that helps. But does anybody have anything to add to that? Because I feel like I left something out there. Mm -mm. I, got this, I got this image of a teeter-totter. Teeter-totter. And <clears throat> being on the ends, going up and down, but you're sitting right there at the fulcrum, you're not feeling what you used to feel down right thank you very much the the, the I'll, I'll repeat it for the recording uh, the person talks about the image of a te of child's teeter-totter you know where that one child sits on one side and then rises up and then the other child is uh, goes to the ground and then they they switch places they do this uh, on purpose they do this purposefully they purposefully give themselves the feeling of flying for just a moment and that's the fun of the teeter-totter but the person in the middle who may not be going up and down, has a different experience. And so that's what we're doing. We're trying to uh, walk away from the extremes and walk toward the middle. So I think that's kind of powerful, actually. Anything else that people want to share? Because we have time for one more. Well, that must mean we get to end uh, quicker today. So um, let's sit for just a minute. We'll sit with, uh, with ourselves for just a moment. Becoming aware of our breathing. Feeling the places in our body that feel a little discomfort or a little comfort. Our mind is experiencing all of these things. Our mind can gradually come to know itself. Thinking about ourselves together in this room We form the inner aspiration that we are of benefit to all the beings in this room and all the beings everywhere.
making the aspiration that we find that place of balance within ourselves and stability. We rest our mind momentarily in this quiet determination to free ourselves and all beings from suffering. We dedicate the goodness of this session to all sentient beings. May all beings be free from suffering, come to happiness, and then to Buddhahood. And coming to awakening, may they emanate in all directions and benefit sentient beings endlessly. We dedicate the goodness with this thought in mind. Okay, thank you. Thank you for joining us for this week's Dharma Talk. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, please subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. To learn more about the Columbus Karma Texum Choling or to donate to support our Dharma Talk series, please visit our website at columbusktc.org. The opening and closing music for the podcast is Tibetan Flute Song by Tamding Arts at tamdingarts.com. Please join us again next week for another Dharma Talk. <laughs>